everybody, Pastor Chris here. Thanks for listening to our Market Street Podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope today's message helps you in your walk with Jesus. For more ways to connect, visit us at marketstreetchurch.org. Is on vacation with his with his beautiful bride, and they are just resting and getting restored and refreshed. So that's awesome, and uh, I get to be here and bring the word this morning. And uh, as I do that, I just want to share a, a corny uh, joke with you. Um, there was this silver-haired lady, and no offense to any of you with silver hair, I have some in my beard as well now. Um, but there was a silver-haired lady, and she called her neighbor boy, who lived, neighbor guy who lived next door, because she would call him when, he, when, when she had problems and difficulties and things like that. And she said, I'm having the toughest time with this jigsaw puzzle. Can you come over and help me out? And he says, you know, sure, I'll be right over. Give me a few minutes. You know, it's kind of early on a Saturday, but I'll be right over. He goes over, and he looks at the table, and he assesses the situation. And he's stumped, and she goes, what's the matter? And he goes, well, hold on here a minute. And he's looking at all that's laid out there on the table. And she goes, what? And he goes, here's the deal. We're going to have a real hard time putting this thing together. I think we need to take all the cereal and put it back in the box. This is cornflakes. Yeah, this is rough. It's corny, I know. But hey, there you go. That's the best you get. <laughs> What does that have to do with this, with this morning's message? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Um, actually, it does. The rooster on the box of the cornflakes. We're going to talk about how the roosters crow and how they crow in our lives. And for one particular story, uh, we're going to look at Peter and we're going to look at his life and how we see that The rooster will crow. Today, we're going to talk about shame. And I know that you all are so excited to talk about shame and to talk about guilt. That's that's what you came to church for this morning, was to be guilted and shamed this morning, right? No, absolutely not. But the fact of the matter is, when you wake up tomorrow morning, it's going to be what day? Monday. Monday. Oh, it's Monday. Oh, Monday. Can't we just skip Monday and go on to Friday? (laughs) because <laughs> by Friday I'm good to go and then they give me the weekend well, they give you the weekend off and then you're no good on Monday again right you're going to deal with stuff and tension in your life you're going to deal with shame you're going to deal with guilt struggles my guess is that we all have things in our lives that we struggle with to to let go of today I want to share this story of Peter when we think of Peter We probably think, if you know the stories of the Bible, you probably think of that boldness that he had, that rock, that firm foundation. But before he was Peter, he was Simon. He was shifty sand. He didn't know which way he was going. He was flip-flopping. He was here and there and everywhere. The question that I want to ask and pose to you, have you ever felt like this in your life? Have you ever felt great on Sunday when you came to church, but then Monday you hit a brick wall and you're like, Oh, oh, yeah, me too, me too. In Luke 22, um, verses 50, verse 54, it says this. It says, they led him away and brought him to the house of the high priest. But Peter was following at a distance. Peter was following at a distance. 
Peter was following Jesus at a distance. Do you ever feel that there are these times and there are these moments when you're following Jesus at a distance, where you've taken a step back and you're going, hmm, I don't know. I don't know about this. I don't know about this. We have those moments. All right, now this is participation. How many of you feel like that? Let's see at times. You feel like you've taken a step back. Okay, I'm raising my hand. I feel that way at times in my life. I wonder how many of you today would be willing to say that. That you feel like you're following Jesus at a distance. That you've taken a step back. Um, we physically here at church are, are here today, but your heart is somewhere else. Your, your mind, your heart is gone. You're physically here, but you're kind of like this with Jesus. You kind of got him out here. Not here and loving on him, but right here. Do you ever find yourself following Jesus or God at a distance? We have to learn to deal with shame in our lives the right way. The world does not teach us how to properly process this. We um, are guilted and shamed and we struggle with that. We wrestle with that. Um, we don't know what to do with that. We allow it to captivate us, to grab hold of us. Uh, that last song that we sang, it says, I'm a child of God. We have to recognize that and be willing to embrace that. We are children of God. We are his. But the world tells us that we're no good. Listen, every day when I get up, not always the first thing, but maybe the second or third thing that I hear is that I'm no good. The devil is right there to tell me that I'm no good. And I say, you know what? Go to hell where you belong. Get under my foot. God is in control. And this is his day. And this is the day that he's won. And he's in control. He's in control. I am no good. But because of him, because of the one who put himself on the cross, I am redeemed. I have mercy. I have grace upon me. And I can step forward into this day and conquer this day no matter what it is that comes my way today. Amen. We don't have to live this life that's full of guilt and shame. We don't have to live this life that's full of guilt and shame. As we dive into this a little more and look at Peter and see here in Luke 22, 54 through 62. After they, they led him away and brought him to the house of the high priest, but Peter was following at a distance. All right, next verse. After they, after they kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter was sitting among them. Go on. And a slave woman, seeing him as he sat in the, fire, in the firelight and staring at him, said, this man was with him as well. Let's hold up right there. Jesus, Peter, and Peter have this conversation. Peter, you're going to deny me three times. No way. No way it's not going to happen. No way it's not going to happen. Boom. This man was with him as well. Let's go on. But he denied it, saying, I don't know him, woman. 
He said, I don't know him. Let's go on. And a little later, another person saw him and said, you are one of them too. But Peter said, man, I am not. Twice now, twice. I don't know Jesus. I don't know him. No way. Let's go on. And after about an hour had passed, some other man began to insist, saying, certainly this man also was with him, for he too is a Galilean. Now, I want you to understand, you know, we don't have the great technology of like, man, I know I got this guy on my Facebook. I know this is Peter. I just got to look him up. Here he is. They knew because he followed him. He was alongside. People paid attention to who was with Jesus. Jesus had an entourage, man, when he showed up on the scene. He had these guys with him because they were working with him. They were doing life together with him. People would recognize this guy. Next verse, please. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you are talking about. And immediately while he was still speaking, a rooster crowed. A rooster crowed. Third time, he denies Jesus. The rooster crowed. Can you imagine what Peter was thinking? This guy who was so bold. Oh, no, I'm not going to deny you, Jesus. No matter what goes on in my life, I'm not going to do it. First denial. Second denial. Do you even think that in the midst of the conversation of the, of, uh, that was going on here, do you even think that he was prepared for that? Third time, and the rooster crowed. If I was Peter, oh, man, what did I just do? A man that I love, and I said I wouldn't betray him. I said I wouldn't deny him. I want us to look here because oftentimes I think we miss these next two verses. And I want to look at this. Verse 61, it says this. And then the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Now, I don't know about you, but like when I'm in trouble or something, I don't want to turn and look somebody in the eye, especially if it's your mama. My mom had a look. You all know what I'm talking about. My mom had a look, and my mom never met my wife, but she talked to her on the phone before she passed away, and I think my mom blessed my wife with that look. <laughs> because sometimes I get that look, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. It's really not that bad. Let me explain, let me explain, let me explain. The Lord, Jesus, God, the one above all, Turned and looked at Peter. What do you think this man was thinking? Peter remembered the word of the Lord. How he had told him, before a rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. Next verse. And he went out and wept bitterly. Peter was broken in this moment. He wept bitterly. He was experiencing the enemy attacking him in this moment. He was broken, didn't know where to turn. God had just looked him in the eye and he turned away weeping, bitter, bitterly. 
I've wept. I don't know if I've done it bitterly. I probably have a time or two. I remember a time in my life when uh, I had these great plans and desires. I was 17 going into my senior year. It was the break, summer break between junior and senior year. And I decided we had these answer machines, you know, these young kids that you don't know what these are, but these were these things that sit next to the phone and you push the button and you can kind of know who's calling and all that kind of stuff. So I left my mom a message. I took off. My mom was at work. I took off. I couldn't get a hold of her. So then I called and just left the message. Hey, mom, I'm going out with some friends. I'll be back later. This was the first day of summer break. Well, I decided to go out and I was hanging out with some girls and things. We decided to go jump off. The, there's this bridge that we would jump off into the water and all this and that and the other. And my mom didn't really, I didn't leave the details that she was expecting me to leave. You know, like where I'm at, a phone number in case, you know, she needs to get in contact with me and exactly how, my, how, my, how, my long I be, how long I might be gone, who I'm going with, these kinds of things. So about 4.30 hour rolls around and I'm having fun. I'm doing my thing, and I'm back at my buddy's house, and all of a sudden, the phone rings. And I hear his mom in there, mm, yeah, mm, mm, hold on. Uh, Jason, you got a phone call. <laughs> oh, really? It was my mom. She found me, and I was in big trouble. I was in big trouble. Needless to say, I learned how I learned um, I learned what soft scrub was. I know what that stuff is real well, and I know that it cleans things real well. And Mr. Clean, I learned who he is. He's a great guy. He cleans things up real well. All summer long, I was grounded until further notice. Yeah, there was no time frame on this. It was until further notice. But but thanks to my mother, I learned to cook and I learned to clean. That's what I learned that summer. It was a good thing. But girls drew me away, and that was no more that summer. So I spent my summer cleaning, and I was Cinderella. I was cleaning the house and making dinner all summer long. I think I wept bitterly in that moment. Because when I got home, I couldn't look her in the eye because she had that look. She had that look. I wanted to meet the Lord that day. Let me tell you. I was ready to go. But that's not what was planned. Guilt and shame. In that moment in my young life, I had some guilt and shame for what I had done. But was I really feeling guilty? Was I really feeling shame? What was I wrestling with? Peter here wrestling. This is much bigger. Peter would have much rather saw his mother or anybody else in that moment. You see, the enemy will try to take something that you did and convince you that what you did is who you are. This sin in your life, he will try to take that and convince you that that's now who you are, that you are no longer a child of God, but you are this sin. This is who you are. This is your stronghold now. It has you. You cannot come out from under it. But I want, to, I want you to know this. When God looked at Peter, he did not look at him how our mother will look at us when we're in trouble. Or maybe our wife when we accidentally throw two red socks in with the white load. Oh, no. Yeah. Or a black pair of jeans with 
other things that don't belong there. Or a sweater in that gets all pilled and you have to shave the pills off. Not that look. Much different look. He looks at him with what? Love. Mercy. Grace. Forgiveness. Peter, it's okay. I told you you were going to do this. I still love you. How do we know that? Because if it was not for Peter, we would not have the church today. He started the church. He was the one denying Jesus three times, yet called to start the church. Chose not to live under that guilt and shame, but to move forward, to move past it. We have to understand the difference between guilt and shame. You see, guilt is something that you did. Shame is something that you believe you are. Guilt, yes, that's something that you did. For me, I was caught red-handed. Yep, I was jumping off that bridge, hanging out with girls. Listen, it was southern Tennessee. It was warm, and, we, and I was 17. That's all I need to say. And I was going, and I was hanging out, man. I was doing my thing. I was ready to start summer break. It all came to a crash at the end of that day. I was guilty. I was there. I had fun. It was fun. Listen, I've told you before. If you don't think sin is fun, you didn't do it right. It's fun. But it's not where we're supposed to stay. Shame is something that you believe you are based off what you've been through. If you hold on to that, that shame will keep you where you are. If I was to stand here today in all of the shame that I could or that the devil would want me to, I wouldn't even be able to speak. As a matter of fact, before I walked in here, before I walked up on this stage, you know what the devil told me? You don't deserve this opportunity. And I said, I know I don't, but God's blessed me and given me the opportunity. I'm going to take it. You deserve hell, so get under my feet. Get behind me, Satan. I'm going forward. That's right. That's right. That is, amen. That's right. Amen. That same opportunity is here for each and every one of you, whether you're joining us live online or you're in this room this morning. That opportunity is there for you. So guilt. Guilt's what? Guilt is something that you did. Remember that. Shame, something that you believe you are. Peter wept bitterly because he felt that he was a failure. He felt that he was a failure. He had failed the one who had trained him up. And he couldn't believe it. He couldn't believe it. In Revelation 12, verse 10, Satan, Satan is referred to as the accuser. The accuser. We have an accuser in our lives. And the accuser, what he will do, the accuser will shame you. He will shame you. He will tell you that you're no good. He will tell you that you don't deserve it. Come on, anybody? Yeah. Right. He tells you that you're no good. He tells you that you're not enough. He tells you that you don't deserve it. That you don't deserve an opportunity. 
Satan is the first one on the scene to point out your problems. You know who he's like? He's like the little brother. How many of you have a little brother or a little sister? Come on now. Yeah. You know how many times I got my butt whooped in the name of Jesus because of that little sucker? Life was good for three years until that dude showed up on the scene. Man. And then I was busted. Although then I had somebody to blame things on. But then when I got in trouble, you know what it was? You know what it was? You should know better. You're the older one. What is up with that? <laughs> me? Really? You just let him get away with almost murder. And you're telling me I should know better. <laughs> Come on. That's the way the devil is. He pokes and prods and says, go do it. Go do it. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. You're not going to get caught. Nobody's going to know you were there. And then when you walk through the door, bam, the rooster crows. Sin will take you farther than you want to go, and it will keep you there longer than you want to be there. That's right. It will. It will take you farther than you want to go and keep you there far longer than you want to be there. Because the devil, he knows his place. He knows that he is no longer there. He has been defeated. He is, he is deserving of hell and nothing more. He wants you there, you and I there, with him in hell. He chose not to be the reflector of light anymore. He chose to step out of that. We have a choice not to live under that. He's that accuser. He shames us. But here's the awesome thing in John 14, 26. It says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will reach you, will teach you all things, and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. God is our advocate. He will go to bat for us. So remember these two, the advocate and the accuser. The advocate and the accuser. The advocate will defend you. The advocate will defend you. I want to share with you a story. It's not quite like Peter's, but it's my story. And this isn't an easy story to share, but over the past several years in my life, I felt like God telling me to share it more and more. And as we've come up on the anniversary, some of you know that follow us online and see, April 11th is a big day in our family's lives. That's when my son Jason entered into heaven. We lost our son. On that day, my, life, my wife died on an operating table. God brought her back and blessed her with another 16 years of life at this point. But in that moment, I had just come off this huge event where I said that, God, no matter what happens in my life, I'm going to follow you to the next level. I'm going to the next level with my relationship with you. I'm going there. We're doing this thing. Two days later, my bride's in the hospital. They say they're transferring her to another one. Whatever ambulance gets there first, that's where they're taking her. I'm at work. I go back and I say, guys, I can't drop this load off. I got to go. I can, remember, I can remember driving that little burgundy Ford Focus. Man, that thing went fast down the highway. 
as I was headed to Detroit to the hospital. 23 years old and had no clue what I was going to walk into. Walk into a room, an ICU room where they're waiting for me with this huge, massive cart. They call them crash carts. Waiting for me to sign off on all kinds of paperwork and I have no idea what I'm signing. I'm just being told by three different doctors, this is what we got to go in and do. This is what's happening, blah, 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 blah. This will be a six-hour procedure and things should be good. Nine hours go by, she's not out of surgery yet. I'm beginning to wonder and question what is going on. Later that evening, Laura comes out of surgery, barely, and they say, your son, your son didn't make it. In that moment in my life, I was kind of like Peter. And I was like, God, I'm going to follow you and I'm going to do everything that you want. But then this happened. Peter, watching Jesus go to the cross, took a step back and was like, whoa. I took a step back. And I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I found a chapel there and I'm, I apologize to the chaplain afterwards. Because I was so full of anger that I was beating on this altar, asking God, why? Why are you taking my son? Why did you take my wife? Why? Why did you do this to me? I've been nothing but faithful to you and said I'm giving you all of my life just two days ago at this big event, and this is what you give me? I took a step back and said, I don't know about this thing. I don't know about this. Because in that moment, the devil stepped in. And he was reminding me of all the bad that I had done. You lost your son because of this and that. And remember that 75 cents you stole out of your mom's purse when you were seven to buy baseball cards at school? Where did that come from? The devil. And he reminded me of those things. And he reminded me how awful I was. But then... Through time, through listening, there was an advocate. Jesus, they're reminding me, reminding me of this story, telling me. It's in these hard moments that it's hard to focus. For me, a rooster crowed. It triggered the guilt. I was questioning. See, many of us go through difficult circumstances in life, and the first thing that we go to not even know, what did I do wrong to deserve this? That's the devil. He wants you to believe that what you did and that your past has to determine your future and that because of what you're going through, it's your own fault. Peter, feeling the same way, Jesus looked him in the eye, said, I love you. I love you, son. In these moments, we have to allow Jesus to look us in the eye. The accuser will shame you time and time again. Satan tells me that I'm no good. He tells me that I'm not a good Christ follower. He tells me that I don't deserve to be a pastor. For many years, people said, you don't look like a pastor. Can you tell me what one's supposed to look like? <laughs> Peter was. Peter didn't look like others. Jesus, 
brought the word. Satan shows up and says, you're a fake. You're a failure. You're no good. Told me that I would never have the same faith. And I have to look at him and go, no. You see, for me, I was buying into these lies. But then I had this God moment. My wife was in the hospital 32, 33 days, ICU, then got out. We celebrated our one-year anniversary. I was just sharing with my buddy this week. We celebrated our one-year anniversary in the hospital. She was on a feeding tube. It was this weird-looking brown stuff in a bag. My hospital salad was this weird brown stuff on a plate, wilted salad. One-year anniversary, and I looked at her, and I said, babe, I'll do you one better next year. We'll go to McDonald's. I said, I guess this is for the worst part, looking for, the, for better soon. But in those moments, the devil was right there on my heels, telling me what I did wrong, telling me that I would never add up. It was when God looked me in the eye. And he looked me in the eye after she got out of the hospital. This, was, this happened. She gets out of the hospital in early uh, May, and then at the end of May, beginning of June, I had my God moment. For me, it was unfortunate how it came. I'm stubborn. How many of you can relate to that? When you're first born, you're strong-willed. Amen, amen. We're in the same club together. I don't know if it's good or bad, but we're there. I fell off a ladder. I shredded my ACL. I dislocated my hip. Bad stuff. This is June. My wife is healing, had to heal this wound from the inside out, and so I had to like shoestring everything together for her and help clean the wound. I fall off a ladder, shred my ACL, knock my hip out of socket. I had to put my hip back into socket. For those of you that need a good analogy and you want to remember this, is you ever tear a turkey leg off of a turkey carcass? You know that sound that it makes? That's what my hip made. You're welcome. Thanksgiving, you'll remember this message. I had to pop my hip back into socket. When I stood up, I fell. My knee gave forward sideways, and that was it. And there I am laying. God knocked my hip out of socket. He was trying to get my attention. Here I was, two months later, said, God, I'm all yours. I'm going to do whatever you want. But I began to take a step back. I began to step away from church a little bit. I was just volunteering. Then I focused on my work more, kind of put him over here. Because of what happened. God, I don't know about this God-Jesus thing. I don't know about it. He knocked my hip out of socket, laid me up physically. I had no other place to go but to listen to him. Now, for you, I hope he doesn't do that. Don't be that stubborn. Trust me, it is no good. Now that I'm 40 years old, 40, <laughs> my doctor warned me about what was coming. Oh, Arthur, he's close by. Arthritis, he's right here in my hip sometimes. And I feel that and I'm reminded. But see, I can't let the guilt and shame, that, that fall for me reminds me of where I was, that I was back here and I needed to be up here with God. But I had taken some steps back because of what I had went through. 
Losing a son, finding out that my wife died on the operating table, God brought her back. Yes, I was thankful for all that, but I was wrestling. I was struggling with this loss in my life, this void that could not be filled. I had ways to cope with it. I didn't go crazy, but it was just a little bit of sin. It was just enough to take me another step back from God. And go, nope, I'm not good enough. I don't deserve to have any children. All of my past, everything that I'd done in my past, God, God doesn't want me to have kids. God doesn't want to bless me with that. That was the messed up thing that was going through my head. Some of you are sitting here thinking, no, how is that? But that's where the devil got a hold of me. It was when I fell, I looked Jesus in the eye, and I see that he's there to defend me, that he wants to walk with me that he wants to journey on, and I hold on to these verses. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up, and we're going to do things a little bit differently this morning, or it's going to be a call to action. And I know that there are some people in this room who need prayer, and you need prayed over, and I want to do that. Because I don't ever want to see you do or have to go through what I went through because of guilt and shame. I don't ever want you to have to take a step back from Jesus in your life because of what you're going through. The accuser wants you to. I'm telling you, you take one step back and you're going to get comfortable. It gets comfortable back here. And then back here, it gets even more comfortable when you get further away. Until you get real comfortable. And then you're just over here just listening. Just chilling. And then from here, you get in the lazy boy and kick it up. I'm good right here. Luke 22, verse 31. It says this, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded to sift you men like wheat. His name is Peter. And it's been changed to solid rock. But here, look at, look at what Jesus said. This is so important. He calls him by his old name. He says, Simon, Simon. Because he knows that he's shifting sand. He knows that he's going to deny. Jesus knows that Peter is going to deny him. And that the rooster is going to crow. He gets his attention by saying, Simon, Simon. Because he knows that he's going to betray him. God knows that. God knows that in our lives, we're going to betray him from time to time. And he'll call you by that original name. And it goes on to say this. But I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. This verse is for you and I today. Whether you're on the other side of the screen or whether you're in this room with us, this verse, these verses are for you today. Whatever that name was that he called you before you knew him, sometimes he has to say it. And he doesn't say it to accuse us, but he says it to get our attention and to say, you know what? I loved you so much that I took you from being Simon and I took you over here to being Peter. I'm telling you, I know I experienced it. I'm Jason. And to my high school friends, I'm this Jason. But to you, thank God you know me over here. Because I was a real butthole over there. That's the nicest way to put it. I, I said it to my group and they love me. See, see, God gave me a big mouth. Over here, my big mouth was for me. 
Over here, I strive to use it for Jesus. I have a big mouth, and sometimes Jesus comes out most of the time. Sometimes it doesn't, and I have my things. But what is it? He knows that Peter's going to come back, and he's going to come back stronger. He knows that you have a comeback, and you're going to come back stronger. See, if I would have taken those steps back, I wouldn't be here today. The things that have happened, the merging of churches, the going of forward, would not have happened if I didn't do what God called me to do. And God has blessed me through that. He's given me two more beautiful children that drive me nuts. I love them. But I can't, and we can't get stuck in that guilt and shame. We can't allow that to be a label on us anymore. We have to realize the truth. That we're a child of God. We're a child of God. I'm a chosen. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who he says I am. I'm not who the world says I am. Back here, if people still think I'm the same guy that I was in high school, I'm not. For one, I'm about 100 pounds lighter, so I'm thankful for that. And I've lost a few more hairs and got a few more gray ones, but I'm, that's wisdom. That's wisdom. <laughs> and wisdom comes from the Lord. And I'm thankful for that wisdom. I'm thankful for that moment where God looked me in the eye. And he looked me in the eye differently than he's ever looked, than anybody's ever looked me in the eye when I've been in trouble. Robert, he looked me in the eye and he said, I love you. I love you right where you're at. And I said, how is that possible? I'm screwed up. I'm messed up. I'm messed up. And he said, I don't care. That's right where I want you. I want you to come to me how you are. You can't clean a fish before you catch it. I had to come back to Jesus in my life. I had to take that step back forward and trust and believe. I had to walk away from what the accuser accused me of and lean into what the advocate had for me. I want you to go away with this. What you did doesn't make you who you are. What you did doesn't make you who you are. If you grab a hold of nothing else this morning other than the turkey leg uh, thing, uh, grab a hold of this. What you did doesn't make you who you are. Your past does not determine your future. Amen? Amen. Do you believe it? Amen? Amen. Amen. Your past, yeah, let's, yeah, thank God for that. Your past does not determine your future. But the fact of the matter is that tomorrow morning when you wake up, the rooster is going to crow in your life. Think about this. For Peter and the rooster crowing, that man had to get up every morning to what? Think about that time. He had to get up to a rooster crowing every morning. He was reminded every morning of his sin and the fact that he had walked away from God. Every morning of his life, he was reminded of that. Every single morning. What is your rooster? that crows in your life. When you're reminded, where do you go with that? Where do you take that? You've got to take it to the feet of Jesus. You've got to lay it at the cross. And so that, this morning, is all what I want, I want, I want 
to do is to give you that opportunity to lay whatever it is that you keep picking back up. Because here's the thing. We lay things down at the feet of Jesus, and, you know, we lay it there, and then we go back and pick it up. But we've got to learn to hold everything with a loose grip. Grab that. No, that's mine. Don't, don't grab that. No, take it. Please. No, that's mine. Don't take it. It's not mine. It's not mine to carry. It was carried on the cross some 2,000 years ago. Lay it there and leave it there. You can't have that phone, but you can hold on to it for a second. I'll take it back. Thanks. The fact of the matter is, some of us keep going through the same cycle and we keep falling in the same hole. The devil is the same as he was yesterday, today, and forever. He has nothing new. He has nothing new. All the tricks are the same, but we fall for them. And we have to stop and we have to relinquish that and lay it down. So this morning, as we go back into this song, realize that the rooster is going to crow. The rooster crows for me. Sometimes it's the alarm clock and I want to throw it across the room or my phone. Sometimes it's people. Sometimes it's smells. Sometimes it's situations. I'm telling you this. This week I had an opportunity for me and my wife. God has been calling me to share my story of how I lost my son. A year ago, I shared that story with a brother in confidence. A year later, the same man that I shared that with is going through what I went through. I met with that man this week, and I didn't want to, not because I don't love him or care about him, but because the devil was telling me that I was no good, and I wasn't good enough to talk to him, and I wasn't good enough to share my story. I was shaking. I was nervous. That was the devil. That was not Jesus. You have a great story, and God wants to use it for his glory. Amen? Amen. As we pray this morning, if you want prayer, I want to pray over it. If you, you can stand up where you're at. If you want to come down here and pray, we're going to go into this song and sing it. But I am going to pray over you and pray that God just fill you with his Holy Spirit, that you would be overwhelmed by the presence of God today to move forward in this situation, that no matter what you're going through, here's the deal. In the valley, that's where the growth comes. It doesn't come at the top of the mountain. And when we get to the top of the mountain, we see the next mountain, then we got to go back down through the valley. That's where the growth comes to get to the next mountain. You're going to go through valleys, and you're going to climb mountains that only God can bring you to. If you want prayer this morning, just stand up wherever you're at. If you want prayer and you want to come down here, I just want to pray as we sing this song. I want to pray over you that God give you what it is that he has for you this morning. You are bigger than your past. Let's worship the Lord and let's go to prayer. Father God, right now, I just lift up this family to you. I lift up those standing, Father God. It's heavy. It's heavy, but it's not too heavy for you. I pray that they would, whether people are sitting or standing, that they would lay the things that are, that are, that are heavy on their heart this morning before you and not pick it back up. Not pick it back up, Father God. You have a story.
and their story is to be used for your glory, Father God. Jesus. Do what only you can do. Do what only you can do, Father God. Show up. You're here. Help us to listen. Help us to lean in. When the rooster crows this week, help us. Help us to say, no devil, get behind me. I've got bigger plans. God's plans are bigger than your plans. Father God, I just pray all of these things in your name. Amen. 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 Let's sing. Chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say. Come on, church, stand. I am. You're chosen. Let's go. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You
that's me. Thank you. I thank you that you are our advocate, that you go to bat for us. And so, Father, I pray that when we wake up in the the morning, tomorrow morning, and maybe it's not tomorrow, but maybe it's Tuesday or Wednesday, and that rooster crows, that we're reminded that we are children of God, that there is nothing that you can't overcome for us, that when we lay it at your feet, you take it. It's no longer ours. You cast our sin as far as the east is from the west. It never meets. No one can find it. It's gone. And so we thank you for that. We thank you for that. Father, use our stories today and every day for your glory. And I pray all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed. Have a great week.